Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Welcome to another edition of Soft Rep Radio. I'm your host, Rad. And I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City today, and I have a very special guest all the way from the United Kingdom in England. I have Anthony Stephen Malone, former para regiment, which is a parachute regiment. And those guys were created, I think, what, about 80 years ago by Winston Churchill to be what are called shock troops. Yep, that's about right. <laughs> yep, well, yeah, served in the parachute regiment, served in... 4th Battalion when I was 17 years old, 1988. Then in the early 90s, went to Depot Power again. Done B Company for the second time. Passed it with the 3 Power. Spent about three and a half years in 3 Power as well. Then I was fortunate enough to be able to titter was in like, all over the world, basically. I'd done a short tour in Northern Ireland. We'd done Kenya, Cyprus. I was seen 4 Power. Spent time in Germany. Then came out and as a proud veteran, started doing a lot of work in the veteran community. Yeah, it's needed over there. Uh, you guys, as a veteran community, get together with a lot of different charities to make it happen for veterans who are uh, not able to afford things and take care of it. It's a really 
prideful thing when I've gone over to visit. I just want to say, you know, uh, applaud to you for dedication. It's actually good to see a lot of different companies and private organizations, a lot of small groupings here. It's exactly the same as what you've got over in America. A lot of veterans get together and help the veterans, other veterans that are not as fortunate as some of us. Yeah, correct. Now, you being a veteran, you've uh, jumped out of an airplane. Have you ever had any type of a crazy incident jumping out of an airplane, being in the parachute regiment and jumping? Did you ever have an issue where you're like, oh, what do I do right here? <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, pretty much everyone who's ever jumped has always had one one or two near misses. I'm fortunate enough I've done over 100 static line jumps. Only had one really bad one. That was in Fort Power in Germany. Went out the uh, side of the C-130 Hercules, ended up going through someone's rigging lines, came down upside down oh. with a container that was actually um, stuck to my legs at the time. Managed, managed to jettison the container, get myself squared away, managed to come down feet first just in time. Just in time. <laughs> wow. Harrowing story right there. And I know you have so many and it's my my duty to to ask you these questions and and get you to tell me some stories and i know that there's something that's really being talked about right now that has uh, a lot of you've been all over the circuit you've been talking about how you were captured in afghanistan by the taliban for a period of time you know a lot of my listeners may not realize that you are a former cia operator you're uh, you know british soldier american ally and uh, here you are in afghanistan Boots on the ground, take me there. Yeah, well, I was, um, I was, I was the same as a lot of veterans across America and the United Kingdom and obviously the world. About a year ago, eighteen months ago, we started seeing everything unfold in Afghanistan. Well, I like to point out at this point, I was retired for about 10, 10 years or more. I was out of the military, out of intelligence services. I was enjoying my my nice and peace and quiet life with my family and just purely doing work to help the veterans. Now, like a lot of veterans, like I said, across America and Britain, we saw the events unfolding and it didn't sit well with a lot of us. A lot of people have their opinions about this. I'm going to keep this fairly politically correct. We started to help a lot of the former members of the Afghan army that had supported and helped uh, the British forces. And I'd worked very closely with the American forces, some of them for 20 plus years as well. And they were stuck in Afghanistan. Now, I started receiving telephone calls from some people who I had actually kept in touch with on a personal basis. These included generals, colonels, senior agents that were working. These are people who were Afghan nationals that were working with our coalition forces. Now, I actually know some of these people, and they are my very close friends and all the families, and I know the children. The amount of desperation I could hear in, and these are very professional individuals as well. They were stranded, stuck, couldn't get out of Afghanistan. And I thought, you know something? We tried doing it by remote control. We got some people out before I even set foot in Afghanistan by using my old the old network, which a lot of veterans did. All we did was we picked up the, the old satellite phones. I rang my old colleagues in American intelligence, American in the military, 
in British um, Special Forces as well, said, right, gentlemen, we have a problem here. We have people. Can anyone help us here? It was literally as many of your listeners will know, it was the call went out to veterans. So basically, 24 hours of that, we had the tickets booked and we were en route into Afghanistan. When everyone else was trying to get out of Afghanistan, we went into Afghanistan. Right. Yeah, and it was a harrowing time at that point because nobody knew what was going on. Absolute chaos. Tens of thousands of people trying to get evacuated out the airport. We had the anniversary yesterday of the suicide attack mm-hmm. at the airport where a lot, a lot of brave soldiers and civilians died in that attack. And a lot of people just thought, yeah, 13, you know, something. I think. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot, yeah. A lot, quite a lot yeah. of guys yeah. just I rem- yeah. got out of boots, got out of body armour, went in there to try and make a difference. The sheer numbers that we found on arriving in country was staggering. Went into one meeting in, Jal- in Jalalabad to basically identify four British nationals, that meeting ended up being 74 British nationals and more. 74 identified, we got proof of life, got them to hold the British passport up, take a photograph of that. The numbers were staggering. And we are not an organisation, we are not an intelligence agency or the Foreign Office. We couldn't move everybody, but we moved a lot, a lot of people through Taliban checkpoints, through Taliban-run areas wow. as well all over the country, got them the safe houses and made sure they were safe as possible. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
That's amazing. Now, when you went over there, was that already, was the chaos already kind of unfolding? Were you there? Was it, did you mention you were there just prior to the suicide attack? And the, we all saw the images of like, you know, the C5 or whatever, the Galaxy aircraft taking off. Everybody was clung to the landing gear, right? Were you there before that or were you there right around that same time frame? Well, I was actually there just after, but we were making our moves to get people out not in Kabul. I was getting people out away from Kabul. Seemed to be everyone, all the focus was on Kabul. Now, while that was happening, an opportunity arose that we might be able to get some people out quietly, like other veteran groups did, all working together for the greater good, get people out. But everyone was watching the news. They saw the absolute carnage and desperation unfolding in the actual airport. So, and, and that went on for a period of time. But what people don't realise is when the TV cameras left and the official evacuation had ended, it still continued. The veteran group stayed there, boots on the ground, risking their lives to help as many people get out mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah, it's a selfless act. You just seem to be in that game. You're dedicated to that type of mission with your mindset. And I think that you have a pretty positive mindset to say, hey, I can go over here and do this. You know, you're not saying this is a hurdle. You're saying, how do I get over that hurdle? And you're trying to help these people in there. You're a hand reaching down, right? Like trying to help them up. I think it was important because a lot of the veterans, all of us felt exactly the same. It didn't fit well. It's the oldest one in history. You don't leave a man behind and you honour the pledge. When you say you're going to help somebody, you roll up your sleeves and you do whatever has to be done to help them. Now, sometimes politics can get in the way of that. Fortunately, veterans, we don't have to abide by the political spectrum, for want of a better better word. Uh, me, my personal opinion is sure. I don't get involved in politics. I've never, never let politics stand in the way of me saving anybody's life. I'll deal with that afterwards. And a lot of the veterans, all of us, right. the same as well. Yeah, that's what it takes, you know, that, that mentality. And so when you get over to Afghanistan, is this the same time frame that they had uh, snatched you up and uh, tried to hold you for so long? To had they Did they know your... Resume? <laughs> no. This was this is when things got interesting. I'd actually been on the ground yeah. in Afghanistan for three months and literally a couple of days later I was meant to leave Afghanistan. But I was looking at a house to rent, which was the former British ambassador's residence in Kabul that I was gonna rent from the Afghan who owns it and we were gonna use that as a kind of a office stroke kind of um, guest house. Base camp. Base camp, yeah. Now, we had all the right identification. We had entry stamps in our passports. I had a a letter of the Chambers of Commerce. I still have that that particular letter as well. Now, we were there cleanly. We weren't working anything majorly covertly. We were there. I was dressed as an Afghan. I had had meetings with senior members of the Taliban. I'd had meetings in the presidential palace with senior members of the Taliban. I'd also members of the Akani network as well that I've known for over like 12 12 years anyway. So people knew we were there and they knew 
we weren't there to be against Afghanistan. I am not pro-Talib at all. Anyone who knows me will know that. But I am pro-Afghanistan. I think the people of Afghanistan could do with um, a bit of a break, given mm -hmm. the fact that that country is no war 40 years. So if you think about that, any kids uh, or people who yeah. are under 40 have never known a day of peace. So hopefully... Not war. Calming heads will yeah. now prevail. But I'm not going to get into the politics of all this. We went in there to help vulnerable people. Two or three people ended up being 20 or 30. We ended up moving around over 400 families, getting them to safety. It wasn't a job to me and some of the lads who I was with were under me. It was actually our duty, as well as that one said, as a veteran. When our governments dropped the ball, the veteran community picked up the ball, ran, ran with it. Because if they didn't, and the veterans in America, particularly American Britain, if they hadn't have done what they did, there would be thousands of the dead Afghans now in Afghanistan. Right, right, right. So it's so important that people realize if the vet community hadn't have done what they did at that point, it would have went very, very wrong. So credit due where credit is, is due. And I would like to say a massive thank sure. you out there to the veteran community across the United States and Great Britain and other countries as well, like Canada and Australia. Everyone got together and helped. Did whatever had to be do. Forget what regiment you were in, what country. They worked together for the greater good. And there's a lot of young people, a lot of children out there now in safe countries that would not be there if it was not for like the veterans out there. 100%. That's, uh, that's commendable. You know, here in uh, Salt Lake City, I, uh, I own a tactical supply store and uh, we sell, you know, combat vests, plate carriers, gloves, knee pads, accessories for all of that. And all of a sudden when this was kicking off, I started getting a couple uh, new customers who were like, hey, yeah. we just want these. <laughs> he just took all my plate carriers and I just said, good luck. Yeah. And I already knew. And I, and I knew, and he kind of let me know. And I just said, good luck. Good luck with everything. Cause they got homies, friends, comrades who were living okay until that whole tornado of evacuation and uh, politics happened to Afghanistan all of a sudden, you know? And, and then as we're sitting here having our tea, it's just coiling up and you're just like, wait, this isn't right. You know, there's a shift in the force, Luke. Something's not right. And so off you, you know, have to go and upset, you know, uproot yourself and your veterans are uprooting themselves and their lives of their families and they're the breadwinners or they're making, you know, they're the ones that fix the house up when, you know, they have to at home. And now they're pulling themselves out again from that normalcy, you know? And so it wasn't just Afghanistan. It was everyone is Afghanistan. That's my opinion. Yeah. Everyone should say we are all Afghanistan. We shouldn't be at Afghanistan's throat. Afghanistan has nothing to be at our throats about. We should just be one people. Yeah, it was it was amazing to see so many different people, men and women from all over the place coming yeah. together for the greater good. And I think now it is officially the the biggest civilian evacuation since World War Two. And the veterans if you think about how many veterans went out there and the amount of experience and knowledge so and their own networks that they have, you put all that together, oh, yeah. 
it's uh, it's something very unusual. Hopefully, we'll never see anything like that have to be put back together again. But it was something no. remarkable to see, and it was so proud to be uh, to be a little part of that as well. Obviously, I got pulled off the Taliban. We pushed it a little bit too much. We were helping maybe too many people. And I got drifted with some other uh, British nationals and, a, and an American because elements within the Taliban weren't targeting that much the people who were leaving. They were targeting the people who were helping them to leave. I right. thought that, that was quite interesting. Right. Now, we did get some support from within the Taliban because in their, in their eyes, they didn't want all these people to, to actually die or be killed in Afghanistan. It would have made them look bad. So it was in their interest, really, if you think about it, for them to get these people out. But there was an element, and there still is yeah. an element in Afghanistan, which is the extremist element or the extreme of the extreme who are targeting a lot of individuals. And that was one of the fortunate ones. Yeah, I got picked up 190 days, six months, kept in a Taliban underground interrogation centre in Kabul. Yeah, I was given a hard time. My me, me feet got ripped. I ended up getting uh, six fractured ribs, concussion, hit with a wooden slat, cold water over me. It's one of those things. It happens. Big boys rules. You're going to play in the playground with the big boys. You've got to be willing to take the hits if they come. I don't have any re regrets at all. Did what had to be done. I'm here now. I'm still helping people over there in a human yeah. humanitarian context, as a lot of people are. But um, I thought it was interesting because when I was in the underground interrogation centre, I got to talk to a lot of a lot of the Taliban. There was a few that weren't very good. My interrogator was a young guy. I'm not going to mention his name at the moment, but he was a young guy, very experienced, as in. He thought he was experienced. In reality, he hardly had any right. experience at all. He spoke a couple of words of English. But the problem was, years ago, he had had a run-in British Marines in the south of Afghanistan. Me being a former British military veteran, I got mm -hmm. the brunt of that. So that made it interesting. Yep. But I'm pleased to say, yeah, he tortured me, he gave me an hard time. But I gave him just as much attitude back, end off. I'm not one of these guys who's going to sit in a corner and cry. Ain't going to happen. So I did actually give him a lot of crap, which really I shouldn't have. And I might have got a couple of beatings for calling him a bit of an idiot. But hey, it's one of those things, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to stand up, you draw a line in the sand, and that's it. That's, that's just the way it is. The actual afternoon before I got released, your viewers will think this one's an absolute blinder tell you. I didn't know I was going to get I was going to get released. Everyone else was told. I get pulled upstairs. He starts off the conversation. Instead of telling me, by the way, it's all good news now. You're getting released. You're going back to England. Not a problem. He didn't do that. He started the conversation off with having a go at me, having a go at military veterans, and having a go at my country. Huge mistake. So then I just ripped straight into him and it went a bit wrong at that point. He threw all the glasses off the table It smashed. He started going into a rant. So it's the first time I've ever done it. I actually squared up to me interrogator, nose to nose. And I thought, you know something, mate? All your, all your guys are going to beat me again. 
but I'm going to nail you. <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. Actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the heads prevailed. I sat down. His bodyguard got me a glass of water to kind of defuse it. Then at the end of the conversation, sure. he says, you were going to be released tomorrow like all your friends are, but you're not. You're staying. Instead of antagonizing it even more, I just said, I stood up and I said, uh, yeah. thank you so much for letting the rest of the guys go. It's a good thing. And I sure. look forward to spending some quality time with you in the future. <laughs> At this point, the guy went mad. His head came came, came off, mate, I tell you. I stood up and walked out the room. I haven't seen him uh, since. It was just one of those things in the day. You treat people as you expect to be treated. He wasn't a nice right. kind of guy. It's one of those things. It happens. But like I said, no regrets. Job done. Life saved. No yeah, right. And, you know, that's exactly what you did, man. I, it's amazing. I'm speechless. <laughs> yes, drink. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. What's going on in Afghanistan? Now, everyone thinks the Taliban government is a co cohesive government. It's not. It's gone back to what I saw back in like the late 90s, when it was literally a lot of little groups coming together in networks under the umbrella of the Taliban. So everyone thinks the Taliban is one cohesive government. It's not. In the building, an example, in the building that we were in was a three-story building. There was a different tribe, an ethnic group of the Taliban on each of those floors. That's just the building that I was in. You imagine that across Kabul, then across the whole of yeah. Afghanistan. We witnessed so much infighting. Unbelievable. Different people, they were literally fighting each other. The reason why a lot of the Talibs are carrying all of the heavy weapons all the time is to defend themselves against other Taliban groups as well. It's sure. um, definitely... Sure, it's, it's just like uh, gang wars, gang wars. Yeah, it is, yeah. Exactly. Taliban gang wars. Ah, it is. It is. It's just all under the name of the Taliban. They don't have a, a cohesive leadership. They're all just like 
Lord of the Flies under the name of the Taliban, and there are all these little pods trying to keep their fire going. And it's like, oh, you got the fire starter. We're gonna get it from you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like Lord. Yeah, that's what I'm under. That's what you're. That's what it seems like. And I want to see the women go to school and have to be able to not march down the streets for their rights to be able to be themselves and not have to, you know. And they are. Those women are powerful and. When are we going to realize that as humans, that the women are the most powerful people in this world? Maybe that's what scares people. people Remember that the women, the young girls in Afghanistan and the young men, most Mm -hmm. of these people are now educated. They all have phones, smartphones, internet. They don't want to go back to living in the dark ages. They want to progress. They want to better themselves. Young Girls want to go to school, want to go to university. It's in Afghanistan's interest if they let the girls be educated because they will need female doctors, nurses. They'll need lawyers. They'll need all these people. So there's actually, I've seen it, there's an element within the Taliban who are fighting the extremist element in the Taliban to let the girls go to school. We've got the, it needs to be an Afghan solution to an Afghan problem. We in the West cannot get involved in this. Agreed. They need to do with this themselves. And hopefully they've been seeded and nurtured for the, I know it's been a wartime for the last 20 years over there, right? Especially, you know, with the 9-11 kicking off and everybody focusing on the Tora Bora Mountains and everything. And then you have these young girls who have grown up in that culture who have been able, though, to go to school, to be themselves, to experience life, not under that oppressive thumb so much, but go to school and work, you know, and not just be in the house per se. And so these girls with smartphones are smart. These girls with smartphones will be doctors, politicians, lawyers, advocates, humanitarians, you know, it's what Afghanistan needs. It's what America needs. It's what England needs. We all need powerful women in powerful positions. Like, you know, truly. To help. Absolutely. Um, I think they've got an untapped reserve of experience, of knowledge. The young people in Afghanistan are making the older tribal leaders now feel very uncomfortable because these young people are educated. And they are. They are literally the future of Afghanistan. The question mm-hmm. is, are the older ones going to let the younger ones move up the actual chain because if the doors you might find the West won't have to intervene here, the younger generation in Afghanistan will. So it'd be very interesting in the next correct six months from now, I think the next six months will be very, very important for the people of Afghanistan. And I hope they pick the right way. It's at a crossroads now. And if they get it wrong, it will end up in civil war and a massive armed resistance movement, which is not good for Afghanistan. They've been through all this in the past. The question is now, are they going to learn? There is an opportunity here as well for the West to, I understand that people don't want to recognize the Taliban as a government. I get it. I'm not here to talk about that. That's political. But there's an opportunity here to sit down with certain key members, not all of them, key members that can be identified that are not extremists, and they can have a conversation. Most of the 
of the Taliban Haqqani, the leadership I've spoken to, understand and speak perfect English. And I mean perfect. They don't need interpreters, okay? And they understand the English yeah. language. Most of them have been educated in Western countries. A lot of people don't even realize that, okay? And the pen is mightier than the sword because can we afford not to talk to these people and try and deal with the extremism? That's what we have to think about because the last thing that anyone wants to see in a year's time is American or British boots on the ground again in Afghanistan. We don't want that. No. And the people do need to take action on themselves it's been said from uh, a lot of political uh you know heads out there that have said you know that run countries you know uh, we want to let afghanistan try to figure itself out ring itself out if we can empower the people to be powerful then the people can be you know their own everything and so i wish the best for afghanistan i really do i think there's a lot of a lot of people out there who are watching this very carefully now the politicians need to start to listen to former military commanders. An example, David Petraeus, he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't just write reports, he's been there, seen it, got the T-shirt. People of that ilk, the politicians need got to bring T-shirt. Like that <laughs> as their advisor. Yeah, yes. But people of that ilk, they need to be listened to because they, they can get it yeah. back. And, yeah, so I think it'll be interesting. I think the politicians have just got to, on this occasion, don't do what they would normally do and just say what is the correct thing to say at that time because of politics. They need to look at the situation. And if we don't help or get involved in some way to either mentor or talk to some element within the Afghan government, it's going to go very bad over there. The warning signs are there but it hasn't crossed the point of no return yet. But within six months, if this isn't dealt with by the beginning of next year, it'll either start going well or it'll start looking like a civil war again. <sighs> going back, yeah. I decided to say yeah, that and, about and who's I, got the change yet because I thought it was appropriate. <laughs> it is totally appropriate. It's like he went to the concert. He got the shirt at the concert. You're talking about General David Petraeus here, you know, the guy went yeah. to the show and he got the shirt. I think that's the best reference I've ever heard on this entire podcast. I've been doing this. He got the shirt. It's like everybody's got clusters, bro. Everybody's got medals, but he got the shirt. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and I love your positivity, too. And and it's really you're breeding that to me about Afghanistan. I want to be positive as well about it, you know, and I know that they have strife. I know they get their flat tires. I know that they have to get out and change that stuff, just like we do over here in America or in England. We all have things that make our country like, you know, have to pull over and fix itself. Okay. So yeah. now's the time to fix yourself. You don't want to destroy your infrastructure. You don't want to destroy any type of one, two, three G that you have, four, five G coming. You don't want to destroy any of that. You want to, that's why I'd imagine even the younger Taliban dudes, you know, like in their 20s, 30s, they've got to also be of that same nomenclature, that same, like, we want the internet. We want to have that attitude because they're using it too. Oh, they are. I think one of the, um, one of the major problems at the moment is, and the Taliban don't know how to deal with this, is there is an exodus of young, educated people leaving Afghanistan. 
that is not good. There was a brain drain no. that's going on there. And I've actually spoken to some people who have been relocated to America and the United Kingdom. And these are Afghans who were brought out during the evacuation. And they are watching very carefully what, what happens because they would love to return to Afghanistan in the future. No, yes. no one has mentioned this or spoken about this. And it's a very important point because Afghans are very proud. They're a very proud people. They are a warring nation. It's the way they are from Alexander the Great until now. A lot of them want to go back. Sure. But they need to feel safe, secure, and they want a future in their own country. So instead of everyone thinking, right, can we get another 150,000 people out of Afghanistan? Why aren't people asking the question, well, how can we get 150,000 people back to Afghanistan? Then you wouldn't have to take exactly. everyone out in the first place. So no. Need right, you'd be just bringing them home. Yeah, 20 steps yep. ahead. There's been a problem. Yep. It's happened. The Taliban are in power. Nothing we can do about any of that. Can we help influence how they govern their people. That is the thing. We can't threaten them or use military action. It doesn't work. Can we influence? Can we show them the way for right. a better way? Because I don't think it. Like, That's I've exactly right. To, yeah, I've spoken to the head. I've sat and had a cup of tea with the head of Afghan intelligence and senior members of the government. And the questions that they were, were asking me over a tea, they weren't this was after the whole interrogation thing, and they knew that we were going to be released at some point. They were asking, how, what can they do? What can they do to talk to Western countries? I think the problem is the Taliban leadership, a lot of them, don't know how to. They've gone from an insurgency yeah. to a government very quickly, and they haven't quite made the transition mindset from an insurgency to a ruling government. They are responsible now for the people of Afghanistan, all of them, all the tribal systems. All of them. Okay? Right. That is that is the bit that they are really struggling with at the moment. So beating them with a stick isn't going to work. A carrot might. How can we help? Because if we don't and we get this how can we? Wrong, how can we show them? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. How can we show them? Can we mentor them? One of the questions I was asked, and you could have picked me off the floor on this one, was city members of the Afghan government, Taliban, asking me, do you think it would be possible to get some people from the West to come in and help mentor? I was asked that, right? No one's even thought about that, yeah. okay? And these were very serious individuals as well. They need a little bit of help because if we get this wrong and there's a civil war, an armed conflict, and it spills over into neighboring countries, Pakistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, right? It ain't good for anybody. There's a little opportunity here. Cooler heads have to prevail. Don't forget, prevail. I am a veteran. I'm the same as a lot of veterans out there. I've lost a lot of friends in Afghanistan. It would be nice to see the country do a little bit of a turn for the unusual and actually start to stand on its own two feet. There's going to be people out there that we're going to d disagree. The problem they're going to have is, 
Do we want to see Afghanistan as a war zone for the next 20 years again? Mm-hmm. Or do we want to see it calm right. down? Then it won't be that much of a threat to us in the West. So people have got to take a step back here and have a think about that one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Do you think that Afghanistan can become a tourist destination one day? Do you think that the possibilities of what we're talking about could be, hey, you know, I'm going to go check out some of Afghanistan on a level where I don't have to fear by going to Afghanistan and bringing that revenue, right? Yeah. I I mean, is that a good hope? A lot of people will be amazed if they do a Google search on Afghanistan, 1960s, 1970s look at the photographs it was a tourist destination very westernized it's done it once my opinion i'm going to go against a lot of people by saying this it could happen again the natural resources in afghanistan are staggering it can stand on its own two feet but it needs help right now if we don't help them someone else will and it'll most probably be people who right. are anti the West. Yes, and to see, you know, any good happen, they would rather see good for them happen and their agenda. And uh, it's not so much an agenda for me. I just want to say I would like to just see the people of Afghanistan, you know, become entrepreneurs of their own properties and, you know, create their own amusement facilities that they like to do and, uh, you know, grow that from their culture to make it, you know, uh, sought after. And and I want to go there and experience that culture, you know, and, uh, you know, one humanity. I know there's bad actors, Anthony, everywhere, okay? In America, you got people that are doing bad things. You've got people in all different places doing bad things. And if we continue to focus on that, that is what the brand becomes of that environment. And if we can show the positives that are also happening, we can show that brand change. We can change it. It's all this narrative that's being put out there. It's like you want to show, you want to see bad things. You go looking for bad things, you're going to find bad things. But if you can look for something good, you might just... You might find something good. Now, out of everybody, what, uh, 190 days 
undergone interrogation centre. Technically, I should have the right home with the way I was treated. Sometimes I have a bad day. I have got a home. 99% of the time, I don't. The way I look at it was a couple of people overstepped their authority. I took a few beatings. It happens. I'm a big boy. I look beyond that. I'm not going to judge a country or a government based on a few individuals. Mm -hmm. So if I can do that, politicians should pull the finger out, get to the table with a pen and have a chat with these guys. Because we don't have anything to lose by talking to certain an element within the Afghan government at the moment. We have nothing to lose at all. We do have a lot to gain though, because we actually, the, the actual Western politicians made a right mess of Afghanistan. That's basically it. But how can they put that right yeah. now? All right. It's like I said, everyone wants to get people out of Afghanistan. Why not help the government a little bit there in mentorship or in some way? I don't know how it can be done, done though. And people can return or stay in Afghanistan. We need putting pressure doesn't work on Afghans ever. I've been in and off, out of Afghanistan for over 22 years. My colleague who I was with has been there for 45 years. That's over 65 years experience in Afghanistan. Just two of us, okay? Now, we know what we are talking about. So talking to yes. people, and you know yourself, you sit down with an Afghan, you drink a lot of tea. End of. <laughs> All right, mate. That's one of those things. Well, yeah, no, right here. It's right here. Just <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And everybody wants to have a nice cup of tea. Yeah, and you know, leadership above us tell us what to do, right? They like leadership comes in and says, "You're going to now fight these people." Yeah, <laughs> that's what leadership does. It it just turns you into that. You can think about it. I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I'm not trying to say that I can solve all the world's problems in the snap of a finger on this soft rep radio episode, but I'll tell you what, if it works yeah. and we can all just get along, then what the hell, dude? Let's have a cup of tea together, all right? Because exactly. I'm down with that. Now, it's good. It's important. Right I think the people have got to look at this now, 20 steps ahead. How can we help resolve it? It's the year anniversary too much blood and ink, ink has been spilt on Afghanistan. What we want to look at now, where do we want to be with this? In 10 years, 20 years' time. Let's turn a negative into a positive. The world's press has got to take responsibility here as well. They very rarely put a positive story out on anything to do with Afghanistan. The women, the children, mm-hmm. or anything, right? It's always negative, negative, negative. They are feeding the narrative, okay? Some journalists need to go back to school and do some proper journalism for once, all right? There is positive out there. Right, right. Find it, all right? It's possible. There is some good journals out there as well. I'm actually friends with a few of them who are in Afghanistan. They, they actually stayed, okay? Risked their life to stay. And now they're getting some good stories out there. But the major networks jump on it. As soon as something negative happens, they jump on it. If you think about this, when was the last time you actually saw a positive story on Afghanistan? You'd be very hard done by to think of that one. I'm trying to create it. 
Yeah. I am right now. This is me with my microphone and with you to be able to say, you know, if anybody respects your opinion and is listening to this in senior leadership positions and they're like, how come Rad and Anthony are having this conversation? I'm cool with it. Then maybe they should hit you up. I'm sure somebody's got your phone number and they can give you a call and say, Anthony, let's get this going. (laughs) It would not be difficult. I'm not saying that I am doing this, but hypothetically, I'm not. I was talking to <laughs> yeah. some of the leadership in Afghanistan now, all right? It wouldn't be hard to get two sets of people together in a mutual country to have a conversation. Some, some of it may already be happening. Some good work has been done, all right, by Western countries, America and the United Kingdom and European countries. But more can be done and needs to be done. Because every effort we make now, we might not see the fruit of that effort right away, but we will see the positivity coming out of this in months and years to come as well. And we need to stand the tide of bad, bad press. Let's start looking at the positive. How can we do this? How can we get people back to Afghanistan? Because we really don't want to see British and American troops back on the ground again now. And that's my opinion. You know, it's it. And that's what I want is your specific opinion. (laughs) 65 years between the two of you and your friend is a lot of experience in Afghanistan. You have been through, you have been outside the wire. You, (laughs) you know what's going on there. It's just, and I'm sure that there's things that you are privy to that are happening that I hope is for the best for Afghanistan that I don't know about, you know? I just, oh, they, they I, I hope the best. Work. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you and I go back. We met years ago at the remembrance rumble with uh, big Phil at the boxing match for veterans. Again, talking about veterans getting together for veterans, you know, everybody from all over the world came to the UK to do those boxing matches, Navy SEALs versus SAS and the Paras, Roger Hilden, right? Uh, I think he was a captain in the Paras at one point. Roger, uh, I got to give him a shout out. And uh, his kids, always a, a great guy. You know, I'm thankful for these relationships. And if anybody realizes that you're a dad and a neighbor, a guy that'll shovel the sidewalk of your neighbor with snow, if yours is done, and then you go and do this, right? I talk about how the soccer dad here in the States is your National Guard military member. And you just look at the soccer dad and he's going to go be a Green Beret now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good fun. So, you know. Shout out to, um, so I'd like to give a big shout out to Phil Campion, the Rumble. I don't know when the next one is, but we need one because it's great. Getting the Americans, the Brits together. Excellent, excellent fight. So, yeah, it was proper. It's a legend. It's legendary. It's like, you know, big Phil in, in there with, uh, you know, oh, I just everybody like uh, Hellier, Matt Hellier and, you know, all the guys yeah, that were yeah, fighting. Yeah. It's such a cool experience. And I got to meet Ben Parkson, uh, you know, who was there, the, the wounded soldier of of England, you know, the most wounded soldier. Right. And uh, I drank out of someone's leg. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's all good, but it was one of those evenings that is positive. Everything about it, positive, entertaining yes. evening. The boys in the ring, maximum respect for anybody who's got the balls to get on the pair of gloves and get into the ring. 
End of. Anyone who else has got the most End of story. Don't comment about it. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Now, now, do you have uh, some mentions that you want to talk about before I let you go? I know I've had you for so long. Do you have like your articles, your books, or your websites that you want to shout out? And then we'll make sure it gets posted up when it's written out on the website. Yeah, anyone who wants to uh, know anything about me, if you type Anthony Stephen Malone into Google, I'm all over it. My website, anthonymalone.me.uk. It's got me book links and that on there. I've done five books at the moment. One of those books was when I was an embedded combat photographer with 101st Airborne Division in Iraq under David Petraeus. That's why I've got Screaming Eagle behind me. And I speak about a lot of things oh. in my books. I've got a new book coming out the 8th of September called Hostage Evacuation about Afghanistan, about the, the evacuation of veterans. It's not the kind of book people are going to be expecting. It's not an action book. It is very to, to the point about as I actually talk. I've written it myself. It's not polished. The people who have actually read it up to now, the advanced copies, have said it's, it's pretty good. They've learned a lot from it. It gives a massive <laughs> shout out to the veteran community as well because uh, there's some good work being done, both here and America as well. One of the most important things I would like to say, if I'm allowed to, is if you're a veteran out there, Please. struggling at the moment, all right? We all go through bad days. I get them, Rad gets them. We all do, all right? If you're having a bad day or you've, you've had a couple of beers, a couple of drinks, pick up the phone, speak to one of your old colleagues or a friend. You're not alone out there. Remember that, okay? We've, we've all lost a lot of friends, Rad. Do you know a couple of the guys I know in America who have, who have passed away as well, all right? Yeah. You're not alone. Yes. Pick up the dog and go on. And I mean that, okay? And that's all I've got to say. Yeah. Everyone stays safe. Brad, it's been emotional, and it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Hey, I look forward to it, okay, when I come back over. I just got back from London. I hung out with Phil. You know, big Phil, he took me over to Portsmouth and I got to see Gary weaving and everything down there. So next time I'll put you on the calendar and we'll link up and uh, we'll also go to like Claridge's and have a nice tea party. <laughs> exactly. Don't ever forget it. All right, bro. I appreciate it. Well, with that said, thank you for listening to Soft Rep Radio. I just want to say shout out to Brandon Webb for giving me the opportunity to host this each and every week. I want to thank my guest, Anthony Stephen Malone, and all of the veterans out there. Stay strong, stay sharp, and if you need something, slide into my DMs, and I'll talk you through it, okay? Don't freak out. And we'll talk to you later. Peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.